Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life. I am joined by uh, comedian Tiernan Duyeb. How are you doing, Tiernan? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, man. And that was, that was well pronounced. Thanks. Thank you very much. We were just talking before we started recording about i know how to say your name but when it's about to be recorded i don't know i feel pressure do you know what i mean and then we're talking about where was it that we first met uh, we first met i think i might be wrong but i'm sure it was like this little gig at some like uh un- like university in in east anglia or something yeah, that's, I'm what sure we did this- that's what yeah. i think it is yeah it was uh i remember you were hosting and it was I, it was one of those gigs where they weren't sure what to do and so you <laughs> I remember you helping them out on how to set the room up and stuff like that because which is obviously above and beyond your remit as a as a host but yeah. um, I remember you stepping in and sorting their gig out for them it's, it's so depressing how often that happens though where you kind of turn up to do a gig and go oh you don't you don't actually know how to run it oh I see right you've got all the chairs <laughs> facing the wrong way and you haven't got any lights and somehow people are meant to hear us even though they're in another room or something you say. I know and then you have like this decision to make about whether you just go along with it and have a dreadful gig or actually step in and look like you're above your station by asking them to to, to, to sort stuff out because otherwise because if you have a terrible gig they won't go oh that's because we didn't arrange the room properly they'll go it's because this got, these people are rubbish do you know what I mean so it's like yeah. a bit of a dilemma yeah absolutely I mean it's sort of uh, without sort of revealing how shallow I am as a person it often depends on how much they're paying for me if they're paying enough then I'll arrange <laughs> the room for them sure I'll add that into what I do as a job <laughs> What have you been up to? What are you up to at the moment? Uh, I'm I'm about to stop doing stuff because it's nearly Christmas. Uh, but been doing uh, actually, do you know what? Because we sort of sussed a thing a few years ago because I, I co-run a comedy club for kids, which is stand up for children, six families. And um, a few years back, I realised I can avoid all the horrible adult Christmas gigs full of uh, office dues if I did a Christmas show with Howard Reed and Beck Hill instead. So we deal with sugared up children um, and uh, make them get angry. That we don't know anything about Christmas, and that's much better to deal with, actually. Well, I I did your. I've done a couple of these uh, kids mm. gigs that you run, and um, they're always like for a comedian. They're always terrifying to think about before you do before you do your first one. And I think I did one in Edinburgh, and I think Ian Sterling was hosting. This is years ago. Like, I think he might be my first Edinburgh, and um, it was a it was great. I mean, like you think you're going to have to like. Not dumb it down, but, you know, the trap you can fall into is thinking, oh, I've got to be super kiddie and, like, be a bit patronising or whatever. But actually, they listen to material and laugh, right? I mean, they're, they're a great audience. 
They're brilliant. And also, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time just winding them up because it's really fun. So I uh, did a show today where I insisted that I had an advent calendar, but it was just one big door. And every day I open it, uh, there's a pavement outside and cars and trees. And they're all screaming, going, that's your front door. And I'm like, no, it's my advent calendar. It's got a number on it, 36. And they lose their shit. And it's, it's brilliant, you know. It's just sort of yeah. the one time as an adult you can make children really angry, uh, <laughs> you know, in a valid way. It's brilliant. Now, we spoke to uh, your brother, the last skeptic, yeah. uh, on this podcast, and he says, and you can uh, back up or uh, contradict what he's saying, but he says you are the reason he got into hip hop pretty much. Like, you are the nerdy hip hop fan out of the two of them. Is that true? Yeah, well, I'll, uh, well, the thing is, I'm, do you know what the problem is? Is I was, and he's got better at it than me because it's his job. Um, right. And I think there was definitely a period in my life when I first started gigging where I lost all hip hop knowledge because you have no social life gigging every night. And uh, yeah. and he kind of excelled in front of me, and I'm really, I've been jealous of him ever since. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there is so much stuff coming out that every I, I, I can't remember the first time it happened, but I'm conscious of like a period of time and this is partly to do with getting older but also just not having the time as you said where people will mention like four or five artists and you go I haven't got a fucking clue yeah any of those people that you just named man like it's a horrible feeling it's really oh, well also like, I don't know I don't know how you feel but with, with like downloading music like when I use CDs or whatever of, of like a hip hop album I would listen to it 12, 13 times I'd know all the names of the tracks I'd know all the lyrics now I like I've, I've downloaded about four or five things recently and I haven't really had time to listen to any of them. Um, I can't remember what any of them are called. <laughs> like, it's just sort of, I remember that one beat that I quite like and I just feel so fucking clueless with it all. It's such a shame. It's, it's like, so yeah, I know, I know like five people that I've... I know, and it's mad. And the other thing is, it's like, it's, it's sort of like listening to music online, like Spotify and all that has made things better in terms of you can find artists straight away. But it's made things worse in terms of you treat things more disposably. Do you know what I mean? So like, I like like the new Hopson album just came out, and I listened to it once to sort of form an opinion, and then I sort of haven't had time to listen to it again. Whereas like you know before, if an artist I was excited about come with an album, like you said, I'd be like smashing that like three or four times a day and memorising it do you know what I mean like it's it's such a different experience listening to music now. yeah so I, I went um, so I went to see uh, beginning last week I went to see the Gorillaz uh, live which was uh, amazing was they supported them. oh man it was like do you know it, what was brilliant is there were so many guests but also Damon Albarn didn't introduce any of them so I didn't know who any of them were and like Moe's Def was on right but he had his face in um, he had a, a flat cap on and a hood up and uh, I, I was sort of sitting quite high up at the O2 and I couldn't quite see it and it sounded like him but I'm like is that someone else being him and then I got home and went I've just seen Moe's Def do two tracks and I didn't realise like I felt kind of gutted <laughs> about it and Booty Brown um, came on and did uh, did the Dirty Harry track or whatever and I didn't realise I haven't seen Booty Brown in years so I didn't realise that was him so I came home and had to look up who I'd just watched which was ridiculous um, so I found like the whole way I noticed there was definitely a point when I've got older because there were so many Gorillaz tracks I was like I know the words this I know the name of that track I know the words this one and then it was all like the, the recent album and the one before I was like I know this but I can't remember what it is <laughs> where it's from yeah, that is horrible it's even like have you seen this um have you seen this Thomas the Tank Engine Biggie uh, yes. remix thing, right? So it took me, yes. it, it was such a weird experience for me because 
I sort of didn't remember the tune, like the Biggie tune. Like I didn't know, I couldn't remember the title of it for a, a, a few seconds, like maybe 30 seconds. And I was watching it, but I knew all the words to the verse. And I was like, it was like, it was like my brain was functioning in like a str- like a really weird way. It's horrible, man. Release the brainstorm to make your motherfucking brain warm. A strange form, something kind of lyrical. Biggie the bastard, so that's kind of spiritual. Well, in God we trust, guns are bust. Stop that disgusting, sewer style something. And I'm thinking, oh, when you're going to, do you like the things that I bring? It's funny you say about that Gorillaz gig is I went to see Nas and Lauren Hill recently out oh, here wow. in LA and it was, Nas was amazing. Um, and then Lauren Hill came out and um, everybody lost their minds because obviously you hardly ever see Lauren Hill doing mm. anything. Did and she like, turn up on time had, as well? Yeah, she was on time. She had a full wow. band. She looked, she looked sort of like a, a hip hop Nora Batty is sort of the best way to describe it. Like her outfit <laughs> It Nora was, Beatty, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was mad. And then, but then like she started singing and I guess it's because she hasn't done that much stuff, but like she just started doing like weird remixes of all her stuff because obviously she's bored of the original versions, right? So it was like all the vocals, so the, you'd recognise the words, but you wouldn't recognise the tune or whatever. And I remember standing there and like people around me were like excited and stuff. And I was sort of thinking, I don't know if I like this, man. Like I sort of want to hear the songs that I know. And then yeah. I had to go back home or as I was leaving the gig, I had to check Twitter to see what my opinion of, <laughs> if my opinion of the gig was appropriate. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so, it's so mad where you read a review and you go, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and also the other thing, similar to what you just said, like Puff came out for like Nas did hate oh, me wow. now. And then he came out, but it just, we were so far away you sort of didn't want to be racist and just assume that the black fella in the sunglasses <laughs> and tracksuit was Diddy. But then he started doing this signature oh, dance move, you know, that sort of looking down, shuffling across the stage kind of thing. He did that. And I was With like, his oh, arms yeah. kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, but but I think there's a concert et- etiquette as well, isn't there? Like um, a few years back, I saw Missy. At, um, I think it was like the wild, O2 Wireless in the Hyde Park or whatever. And I was really excited. I'd never seen Missy live before. And she came out, she did like three tracks of her new album. Then she brought out someone else, someone called like Tweety or something, some new newer person that like lasted a single and then disappeared. And then right. Missy disappeared beard this person did five tracks then missy came back on and did a medley of her best songs doing only like a verse from each and then left and i was like that's not no one wanted that <laughs> no one wanted what you've done just just you know give the people at least one track fully that they like here's a little bit that we like to call how did you get into hip-hop right listen i need to ask you how did you first uh get into hip-hop like what was it do you, what was your first sort of record that made you realise that you loved it? Um, do you know, it's, it, this is like really clear as day memory. Um, it was, uh, I can tell you, like 1993, it was in the science class, uh, year seven at school. I, I grew up in North London. And um, so our whole school was like hip hop and drum and bass. And that's what we were all into. Um, it's weird because I've sort of grown up later and lots of mates sort of had Britpop in that era, but we were all fucking like jungle and shit. <laughs> and, um, but I remember um, uh, a kid in our class called Carl Black, when I was meant to be listening to Iron's Teacher, um, we sat at the back of the room, we listened to Doggy Style stuff to finish on his cassette player and um and it just blew my mind i'd never heard anything like that in my life i'd never heard lyrics like that i'd never heard beats like that and that was it that was just the word go from the depths of the sea back to the black snoop doggy dog monkey yeah the 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 dot went solo on that ass but it's still the same long beach is the spot where i serve my 
okay? Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. Nine trips ain't the year for me to fuck up shit. So I ain't holding up back, and motherfucker, I got five on the 20 track. It's like that. And then um, basically through him and through other people at the school, it was in like Public Enemy and Cypress Hill, um, and kind of went from there, man. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a proper, I mean, my parents were really unhappy that I was playing music with a lot of swearing uh, and right. kind of misogynistic lyrics in it. <laughs> but they, yeah, it just, I, yeah, it was a proper hook, you know. Well, the thing is about that album is it is a great uh, introduction to hip hop because even if you don't like hip hop or you haven't listened to it before, it is one of the catchiest albums, mainly thanks to Nate Dogg. But like, mm. it is super like accessible if you put aside the fact that it's one of the most misogynistic records of all time. But like, it is like yeah. super, you can get into it so easily, right? Like it's just, it's, a, and it, it is, it is packed with like classics, do you know what I mean? But the thing that always gets me about the album is, Ain't No Fun is, wow. I mean that. Yeah. But that's that one of those song. tracks that I don't think I even thought about until probably only a few years ago. Like I, I spent most of my teenage years listening to that, singing along to it, and then it suddenly clicked and went, Oh man, like that is horrific stuff. <laughs> but, but I think that with like a lot of the a lot of the lyrics of hip hop from all those I don't know, from the early nineties, I think I rapped along to and just kind of you know, listen to Endersy without knowing what was going into my head at all. Well, Just it was endless weird... violence and, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one because, like, you know, you talk about your parents not being happy. I mean, obviously for us, that pushes it over in terms of something you want to listen to if your parents <laughs> hate it and they think it's offensive. But at the same time, like, it felt so much different to, like, if you hear a record now with swearing in it because like the boundaries have changed of what's offensive or whatever i don't think you can have that again do you know what i mean where a record just absolutely has like that level of kind of shocking kind of misogyny but i remember listening to it at the time not being shocked because just thinking it was amazing yeah bitches man fuck them hoes do you know what i mean like you're not you're not listening going this <laughs> yeah. is offensive you're just like this is amazing this is my life this is what I'm like in Crawley, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I've got no love for pictures. <laughs> I was sort of just thought that what I was hearing was about real life. Like, the life that yes. I wasn't seeing. You know, they were talking about Compton and drugs and stuff, and that's real. This is all real stuff that's happening. And I felt, you know, like I was getting a glimpse of that through it. It was, but I mean, all of that, it was that West Coast sound as well, man. I just never heard anything like that. And like, uh, the first Warren G album, the Regulate album, was. I thought that was amazing, you know, and the yeah. chronic and all that kind of with that. I don't know. I don't even know what it is that makes that kind of that kind of noise. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah whatever yeah. it is, I've, I've never known what instrument. If it's just, it's just a uh, an NPC or whatever, isn't it? I've got a clue, but I want that in all songs, most songs. Yeah, because there was that patch, wasn't there, when there was like Snoop and obviously Dre, and then Warren G came with that album, and all of those albums, the production is just it still stands up today. You know, even if the lyrics don't, the 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 production on that if you had a record with that in the back now you'd be delighted man so um d just out of interest you're so you listen to doggy style and then did you happen to immediately buy snoop's uh next album the dog father yeah yeah i, I did mean, yeah what a, wow yeah that yeah. was i mean what was that 90 i'm trying to think when the second album came was it 94 95 but but I like you couldn't hear it before you bought it so i had to you i had to go to our price and just shell out for it so excited and then like i was one of the first people in my class to get it because i'd saved up for it and we all listened to like several of us listened to it at once and went 
No, this is really disappointing. Like, what a waste of money that I didn't have. Well, it was difficult. But then I've had that with every album since that as well. Of his, so, yeah. You know. And the worst thing was is I don't know if you remember this, but on the album he's sort of going on about how he doesn't need a producer to make a great album while making an album that really does reinforce that he does need a great producer to make a good album. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't there, was that the album with one Dre track on it though? Or was that, that was a couple of albums later, wasn't it? I think where he it had like later. One... I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah, there was one album, a few, uh, oh, it might be a few albums later where he had like Vapors and other stuff and he had one Dre track and that one track stood out. Like he basically, they should have just scrapped the entire rest of the album. <laughs> I mean, you know, he released that one album that everyone just still talks about now. And then to release, like, he's released something like 12 other albums and all of them have been shit. Like, that's not even second album syndrome. That's, like, so much worse. Well, what it turns out is what we didn't realise is that that Doggy Star was first album syndrome. And it's where, basically, he managed to pull out a great record. Um, But I think, like, I don't know how much of his subsequent stuff you've listened to. Like, uh, Last Meal... I don't know if you heard that, but that was okay. Yeah. Blue carpet treatment was like, okay. Like they, they've all got certain good bits on them, but I don't think he's put mm. another stellar album out since. Really. No, I mean, he's had like uh, drop it like it's hot. And he had that yeah. um, from the church to the palace, which I think yes. he's like, there's no way of saying that without sounding like a dick, unless you say it like Snoop. <laughs> Cause you just said from the church to the palace. Like it doesn't, you sound like an arsehole, but it's a good track. Um, yeah. But that was Pharrell, wasn't it? So again, he needs to, he needs someone good behind him. Yeah, I mean, he's a marketing dream in terms of his voice and stuff like that. But like, just, yeah, mm. I remember, I don't think, I think, and people can like tell me if they've got other contenders for this, but in terms of um, expectation to reality uh, disparity, I think that might be the biggest example of that, man, because it was like, I was so hyped for that album. The only other one I can think of as I'm talking is, were you ever... Did you ever, were you ever into Cannabis? You know, yeah, the, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Do you remember when his album came out and you just thought, oh, God. yeah, yeah, but there was a whole run of like acts like that. Then, like, Noriega had that first good album, and yeah. then what happened after that? That just, and, and the locks and all those kind of guys, it was sort of like that late 90s, early 2000s. Loads of people came out with always kind of gusto and like, and then they yeah. released one album and went, I've, now I've got money, I've got nothing left. And it was just. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what is they shouldn't have given them a big deal they should just give them a small deal and like gave them a still a slightly shitty life yeah, so they had I... something more to talk about hey man what's your favourite hip hop album do you have uh, an album I mean it might be Doggy Style but is there an album that you consider to be the greatest of all time sort of a favourite hip hop album that's uh, um... That's hard because there's several. Like, I mean, I, I was, uh, I don't know if it's the greatest of all time, so I, w- I wouldn't put it out there as that, but I fell in love with the Far Side Lab Cab in California when um, when that came out, and I still listen to it far too often, um, which I know isn't like their famous one, but Lab Cab in California was this kind of jazzy Dilla beats that I hadn't heard before. And like the first time I saw, do you ever see the video for Drop? Which, yeah. which was oh my done, God. yeah, man, that's still amazing to this day. The fact they learnt to rap the whole thing backwards, so that when <laughs> it was filmed and played backwards, it looked like they were rapping forwards. It's still one of the best things ever, and I love that. Let me freak the fun 
Young obsolete is the punk that talk more junk than several sales. I jet propel at a rate to complicate the mental state as I invade the masquerade. They couldn't fade with the clipper blade. Ten years in the trade is not enough, you can't cut it. I let you take a swing and you're butted for an easy out. I leave him seized with doubt of exceeding. My name is Booty Brown and I'm proceeding. I mean, the thing is, I've got like like that, and I mean, like, Gangstar Moment of Truth is just unbelievable. Um, yeah. I still love 36 Chambers. It's um, it's very hard to pick one. But, but I mean, that's that's kind of thing, like, talking about, again, music today. On, only recently it's been, like, Kendrick, and I can't think of many others that made that kind of yeah, impact yeah, yeah. on me in the same way. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to have a one album, though. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny you said that about Far Side, because with that Lab Cabin, um, I remember that album sort of confusing people at the time because they love not confusing that's an exaggeration but they loved everyone loved Bizarre Ride 2 so much that when Lab Cabin California came out people were a little bit thrown but they were like oh do I like this as much? but it is an amazing album it's just it, I think it's initial release suffered from the expectations mm. like in the same way I guess Dogfather did except Dogfather was actual shit yeah. but like um, it, it sort of suffered from that another album that sort of I, I don't know if you're a De La Soul mm. fan but do you remember when were you were you into them when De La Soul is yeah, Dead yeah, came yeah, out yeah first yeah. Came out? I don't know. and that really got so do you ignored, remember when, didn't it compared to like because everyone was just it's not three feet high and rising what's what's going on yeah yeah but it's a good it's album it's so mad because like, now it's a great album and like that that and the Far Side's second album. Like, I could go back to those and think they're great. But I remember at the time sort of going, oh, do I like this? I don't, I don't know. And then, like, it's just because people were so in love with their first record that suddenly they just go, oh, what? people think they want more of the same, but they don't. Yeah. If they'd have come out with exactly the same album again, you'd have been like, oh, they're out of ideas. So it's like a tough it is one. Tough, but it's then neither of them really one. recovered as well, because, like, the Far Side's album after that didn't really do it was alright and they didn't really do very well and then they all split up and then Dayla kind of disappeared and now their kind of biggest tracks are with Gorillaz you know in their crowdfunding albums yes. and it's really heartbreaking because it's like they were inventive they were being creative you fucks like respect the artistry I know, like, I know. it's not it's not enough for people we want the same song again and again it sums up society doesn't it just fucking give us the same thing please endlessly and we'll just die I know, happy I know, uh, I know. miserable <laughs> What sort of stuff are you listening to at the moment? Uh, I don't know, quite a lot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really get back. Like, as I said, I'm sort of trying to really force myself to find stuff that my brother doesn't have to tell me about. Um, so uh, I was really impressed with um, a Little Sims open for the Gorillas the other week, and um, Frankie Boyle told me about her a few years ago, but I'd never really listened to her stuff. Like 23, and walked on stage like it was like fuck this, I'm gonna smash it. Like just didn't give a shit, and. Um, she was just incredible. She's got a track called Dead Body that is just the sort of angry, like, rap that I really miss from, like, the kind of mid-90s. Shall I explain what the world done to me? You wouldn't understand where I've been, truthfully. And these dark thoughts never been new to me. Nobody loving me. Everybody through with me. Everybody looking at me different. And nobody will listen. I can see you staring at me. What do you envision? No faith in me, said I resort to religion. But even I can never change the life. I'm living, I'm a druggy, I'm a thing. She's brilliant. Um, and there's a lot of good UK ones. Yeah. I'm a, I really love Koji Radical. He's... Um, um, I went to see him uh, live again that was one that my brother put me on to because um, he's worked with him since but I went to see him at the Jazz Cafe last year and he was one of those performers that you just like you can't not watch him like everything he did the crowd was fixated on him and when he just paused everyone paused and yeah. you know the, the energy was insane um, yeah. and he's just amazing but he's got something more to him like, I think he was like a performance 
art student or something like that before he was a rapper and he's just got this ability to carry himself and um do you know do you know any koji radical at all yes i do i do yeah I, mainly yeah. through your brother actually because your brother's done quite a bit of stuff for him recently like yeah um but yes yeah, so i have a first yeah there's a track called kwame nakuma which is kind of his fam- famous track for his first album 23 winters and when he performs that like he's got this way of like almost whispering it as it starts and he kind of whispers it and whispers yeah. it and it gets louder and louder and louder until it kind of builds and then all the like the beats kick in the drums kick in and it's watching that live was like probably chills down my spine like shit you're performing the crap out of this it was beautiful <laughs> and you just felt the whole crowd like tense with it and uh oh man it was it was probably amazing would it be selfish if i prayed for patience when the only time i do is when my soul falls vacant see blues in the muddy water sing my sorrows in the truth it's a poem still a poem if it's self-centered find i write just to center myself see the proof from breath out for relief another in begin to vent preach peace take a couple nines to the one percent oh i must be i was given over option Pro- but yeah it's a few bits oh, there's um there's a really good uh i found this person through through twitter again just uh somebody uh retweeted but um like like kelly 47 and she's a, a u.s uh, rapper and she's got a track called Miss Me and there's a few sort of female rappers coming out now that have got that kind of early Foxy Brown or early Lil Kim kind of anger to them which I'm really yeah. liking because I kind of miss that was what I really liked to, that, that really early days when um, when uh, what was like Foxy Brown was like married to the firm and all that kind of uh, yes. yeah, yeah. fuck you kind of tunes you know and um, that's a really good track that uh, like early 47 charged up like a Tesla out here messed up like a Mexican wrestler this a gift from God baby I'm just a messenger elevate the flow 47 gon' level up Lord knows I've been through hell to put it on so if I word I'm off mother trucker then bring it on sometimes I can't believe I'm the one they were sleeping on to each his own now this you're a queen you pick a thong I'm sitting now in now For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That, that Little Sims, when Little Sims came out at, uh, was it the O2 you said, right? Yeah. What were the crowd like? Because I think more so than for comedy, which is always my reference point, apologies, but like more so than for comedy, music support acts, it's fucking tough, right? Mm. To like to have a good gig in those circumstances because people just don't give a shit about people they've not heard of, right? I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was she? I mean, she did really well. It was. I mean, the harder thing was it was like the O2. So what's that? That's like. 20,000 people, like for music gigs, so it's standing, something like 20,000 people. Anyway, um, she yeah. had it maybe half full, if that, because people hadn't turned up yet. And yeah. 
that room when half full, you notice it's half full because it's really, really empty. There's a lot of space yeah. around. Um, and she, I mean, she, she smashed it. What was quite nice, she got to, she's on a couple of Gorillaz tracks, so she got to come out later and play it to the full capacity, which was awesome. Right. But yeah, it's good. Did you ever hear that um, Ugly Duckling track called Opening Act? That yes. they did, yeah. which yeah, I just yeah, sort yeah, of summed yeah. that up. What is it? We're the opening act. We do a couple of songs that we won't come back. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you won't stick around with the opening act. It's like, yeah, this sort of beautiful. But it's hard because I think with hip hop as well, especially like the opening act is often someone that's going to end up being, well, there's, um, oh God, what was the one years ago, me and my brother went to see Gangstar. Like it was when they bring, brought that um, album, like The Outlaws or whatever, that they hadn't done an album for a little while. And um, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the opening act for that was, what was her name? Was it Estelle or something? Or yeah. It? Yeah. And man, that was like just the wrong, like the wrong thing. Because she was kind of poppy and hadn't really done much. And I think most of her stuff had been kind of just commercial radio kind of hip hop. And this audience were hardcore gangster fans. <laughs> and it was kind of like yeah. watching someone just, just play to really, that must be the most disappointed faces in that audience well the thing about Estelle is like she did like you know she was on the Black Tire album stuff like that and then she sort of so she could she could like she was a she's a great rapper but like when she blew up it was sort of like you said off that son of poppy stuff and like when you're going to see a a, 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 gang star who like you only hear DJ Premier talking when he says something about playing that real shit and fuck that pop stuff then, it, then you know that the audience <laughs> have got a certain like mentality. Do you know what I mean? Going into that yeah. gig, I mean, it's a hard one. I remember going to see Gangstar, and they brought out Freddie Fox, and he, oh, yeah. they did Militia, and he started firing a super soaker into the crowd, and it sounds ridiculous, but I remember thinking it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I mean, Freddie Fox, <laughs> Freddie Fox with a super soaker on its own, without any music or anything, is amazing. But it just was like. You know, like when you're saying about Koji Radical, about just moments and performance and you just getting really into it, it becomes more than the original track. Do you know what I mean? It's just like when people really put the effort into putting on a show, it's fucking amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I'd love to see the kind of Freddie Fox Super Soaker tour where he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> do any tunes. He just stands on the stage and just you heart just like soaks people. That'd be beautiful. There's there's something in that. It's uh, but yeah, it's that, that whole thing of like uh, there's certain moments of like I don't yeah, I just have certain moments of certain gigs that just stick with me. And and one of them was like that Gangstar gig where I just remember like Premier came on in a mask and everyone knew it was him, but they weren't sure. And he started scratching just Premier style and yeah. he started scratching and the crowd's getting like kind of, you know, people started to move a bit. And then Guru just runs on, tears off his shirt and starts shouting like, big L, rest in peace. And everyone just kind of jumped <laughs> up and down at the same time. And it was on those beautiful, like, ah, oh, we're a, this whole room is a unit right now. It just felt, felt amazing. It was so good. Oh, God, like, I will I'll... never get that with a comedy gig. That's never going to happen to me with comedy. It's like, uh, I always think about, do you ever dream about like having a hype man for comedy? I always dream about oh, like, having someone God. behind me that I'll do a joke and then they'll shout, yeah, and repeat the last line of my joke or something uh, <laughs> to get people chanting. It, one day, one day it will work out. <laughs> I went to see Chappelle um, at, the, at the Apollo and he mm. had like a hip hop DJ beforehand and the, the, I mean it's a bit different because like I think when Chappelle plays in the States the audience sort of know I mean the audience here know what he's about in, in the UK mm. I'm not sort of patronizing British comedy audiences but 
Dave Chappelle is known as the comedy guy that's really into his music and stuff like that in the in the States. Whereas here, not so much people known for his comedy. And like, so some people are a bit bemused, but loads of people are super into it. Do you know what I mean? That he's got a, a DJ out. And I thought, oh, that'd be great to do that. But then I just thought, I get nervous that people are just going to be more into that than when I come. Like, if yeah. they've heard a load of amazing tunes and then I come out and just moan about my family for a bit, who gives a shit? You know, like, <laughs> It's yeah, we should post that. Do you, you see um, Block Party? Uh, they should yes. Block Party where he's got the, yeah. where Mo's Def's on the drums and he's doing the jokes and Moses doing the drums. And I was watching that again. Yeah, I know, well, exactly. I, I mainly complain about politics to grown ups and they're going to be like, nah, sh- shut up. Like, just <laughs> play the beats. This is more miserable shit about the world being crap. Like, I want to hear a good track. Yeah, it's yeah. probably not a good idea. I remember uh, Paul McCaffrey saying, I can't remember which band it was he went to watch but he went to uh the comedia bath comedia to watch a, a music gig and he said that it was one of the most depressing experiences seeing the response that people could get in that room jimmy knowing yeah. that he'd done like comedy sets in there people had laughed or whatever but he saw a music gig in there and it fucking went off do you know what i mean he's just like oh, it's the same space but the reaction is very very different you know I mean? it's so di- i mean i always think that thing of like you know we struggle to write new material all the time as comedians and then you watch a band play the song that people have been singing you know for the last 15 years yeah. and how nuts they go and i'm like oh man i wish i could just do the first joke i wrote again oh, <laughs> you know maybe maybe they just like to hear the same stuff again, and again. i know i mean i don't know if you find this on like when you because like you tour and stuff like that but when you go and do a show with your with your stuff and then you've got like you know it's a new tour the audience haven't heard it and then you sort of fuck up a joke or you fuck up a bit and then you go and the first time you hear a bit is the time that you remember as an audience member. Do you know what I mean? Like the first time is how you make your judgment mm. because it's always diminishing returns after that. And I always hate it if I mess up a bit because I stumble on a word or I get the timing wrong. I think, right, well, that's how they're going to remember that forever. That's that bit ruined. <laughs> and they'll always talk about, oh, it wasn't, wasn't as good as the last, yeah. the last time. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll, you'll become the Snoop Dogg of comedy. That's what, that's the, no one wants to be the Snoop Dogg of comedy. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely deliver a dog father. I've never delivered a doggy style, though. So that's the, that's the thing. <laughs> what are your favourite live gigs? Because we're always talking about live stuff on, on here. But, um, and I also get abuse on Twitter because... Not abuse, that's an exaggeration. I mean, I do get abuse on Twitter, but not about this. But like, I am... Um, I'm always saying that hip hop live is always a bit of a disappointment, bar a few exceptions. Have you been to many good gigs? Uh, yeah, I've been to quite a lot of good gigs, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying like, I'm, I'm not good at, um, especially not anymore. I can't go in front of any of them. Like, I'm really good. Like, we, we bought tickets to see Kendrick in February, um, right. and uh, and my wife's so my, my wife's currently uh, pregnant and due in March, which is oh, very exciting. Which is fucking terrifying. Yeah, thanks. Um, and um, but she's gonna be uh, eight and a bit months pregnant when we see Kendrick and James Blake supporting, and we're worried the bass is gonna induce labour. Like, we're certain it's gonna happen like, <laughs> on the top tier of the O2 or whatever. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> so, but. Be the coolest baby in the world, um, but uh, but like for that, I'm like right. We've got seats. There's no way I'm going to be down. I mean, obviously my wife couldn't be in the uh, standing anyway. But like, I don't want to be at the front of these gigs. I'm quite happy to sit and watch and enjoy from a distance. Now, I think I think the problem with a lot of hip hop gigs, I just I don't have the energy to be at the front of, of you know that of those kind of crowds. It's a mission to be at the front of those gigs. I remember like when I used to go. I I mean I go to I used to go to obviously used to go to a lot more gigs than I go to now. But I used to go all the time and and just force my way to the front on the off chance 
that one of them might give me a fist bump. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's insane. And then, like, and then, like, now I will get the furthest away seat that innate, that still allows me to have a clear view. Do you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. would you not want to be in a sofa or a comfortable chair? Yeah. I just don't understand. Well, also, you it. can get up and go to the toilet from there. Like, if you're stuck at the front, you can't go to the lead. You can't go get another drink. Because you're stuck at the front. Yeah. And you'll never, ever get back there. If you leave, you'll never go back. No. Like, it's a, a one-way ticket. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's the, but I think there's, like, gig wisdom, isn't there? I think, like, once you've done a few gigs, you get the knowledge of how to do it properly in the future. Uh, I know. <laughs> and you look at all the young people in the front going, idiots, you fucking idiots. Yeah, I totally. You're going to hate this. <laughs> and I love it. But then you see them, like, like exactly getting fist bumps. You're going, fuck, I, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> I wish I was more naive. <laughs> Oh man, hip hop gripes. Is there anything that you? I mean, you sort of touched on it with the misogyny stuff. Is there stuff about hip hop that you don't like and has made you, I don't know, decide to listen to other stuff for a bit or anything like that? Uh, Would you know what put me off hip hop for a long time was just auto tune. Like uh, it's such a petty thing, but. I don't hear you sound like a robot anymore. Like um, California Love, way yeah. back in whatever nineteen ninety six, fine. Yeah. And then everything, everything since then can fuck right off <laughs> if it's got. There's <laughs> something about it. it; just makes you go, no, man. I want to hear your voice. Like I like the kind of, I like hearing people's hip hop voices. I don't want to hear you fucking. You know, if you can't sing, don't sing. Yeah. Don't get someone else to sing. Don't do your shitty auto tune. I don't know. It just put me. I mean, I, I never got into that. Like, that, you know, there was that was kind of the point with Kanye. Although I, I've come I've come back to Kanye since. Yeah. But when he did that 808 and heartbreak, like I was like, no, nah, I can't. I can't do that. You need to stop. It reminds me of that shit share song. Um, do you oh believe in love? God, That's what yes. it was. <laughs> just you know, like. Oh my I think God. she did it. Hip hop artists shouldn't be doing it after she that did it. That is such you a know? good shout, man. Jesus. If, yeah, that, like Cher cannot have an influence on hip hop. No disrespect to her, but like no. you can't, <laughs> you know, if, if hip hop started taking all of their leads from like the Shoop Shoop song, you'd be fucked off. Do you know what I mean? So why is auto tune? Oh, right? man. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Exactly. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because like you can do whatever you like in production and then it felt weird that they go well if you can't sing just auto-tune the shit out of it and then you go so what is required to be a music artist at this stage I mean I don't understand what you need to be able to do because also like like, there's so much in like a a good hip-hop voice like Kendrick has it I think Tyler the Creator has such a good kind of slightly gruff hip-hop voice yeah and you know all the I mean like you look at Q-Tip who's got such a distinctive voice or Charlie Tuna or something people like that where you go you can recognise that voice instantly but if your if your hip-hop voice is auto-tuned to fuck then you're taking away one of the best bits of why people would go listen to you and also what's that like live do you just have it kind of you know have one of those that sort of achieve the whole time like that's shit it's just shit yeah. it, it, it feels to me yeah I don't know I don't know at the same time the idea of doing say a comedy gig entirely auto-tuned does sound quite good so yeah I mean know, I think that, that, that does actually sound good I, I mean the thing the other thing that gets me is like you know uh, when they do the double up on the vocals like, uh, like so they do the verse and then they do the ad-libs off the back of it and like you know Eminem will do like oh <laughs> like all this in the background of his verse one yeah. of my pet peeves oh my god I can't believe I said peeve on a hip hop podcast anyway it doesn't matter but one of my <laughs> one of my things that really gets on my fucking tits bruv is when they double up the whole verse so it sounds like two of them rapping for the whole thing I, it, I don't know why but it just feels like I just want to hear your voice on its own do you know what I mean it's the same sort of thing as auto yeah. I just don't want to 
hear you fuck with the verse too much because then like you said then live yeah. it's a completely different proposition do you know what I mean? but do, do you not find that with like there were certain albums as well and uh, this is when I'm going to be crap and not re- remember any but there was a, there were certain albums where they've got too many guests because oh I'm like no I bought the album for you I don't need to hear everyone else on it. I'd just like to hear you rap it. Now, a lot of the Wu-Tang guest albums, you know, a lot of the Wu-Tang solo albums had that, where it's like, well, if I wanted a Wu-Tang album, I'd buy the full Wu-Tang album. I've bought the solo album to just hear, you know, <laughs> that solo yeah. artist. But every track has all the other Wu-Tang on it. It's like, come on, man. I just, I don't know. I sort of feel like, again, it's, it's cheating. It's like, they were like, I'd like a solo album, but I can't be asked to write that much Well, there's, there's like a sort of a... There's two ways that hip-hop seems to do featured artists. And one is, and there's a big craze for this, and it isn't so much now, but, like, where they would just get the hottest rappers to, like, do, like, eight bars or 16 bars on, like, a track. And then you'd look at the album listing, and it's like every single song was featuring some, like... Like, like popular rapper or whatever and you'd be like okay I mean I'm not that excited about this I mean, I, I mean don't get me wrong every now and again a guest artist would come on and like absolutely murder it like Buster Rhymes is very good for that and obviously Eminem was, Eminem's yeah, yeah. very good at that coming off the bench and then fucking destroying a track but like but yeah, sometimes yeah. like those early days of DMX yes. was good as well, where you'd just have a track that was all right, and then you'd come and go, yeah. and you'd be like, uh-oh, it's going to actually be good for a second. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine what that feels like as the artist whose album it is, and then you've done what you think is good on a beat, and then you see someone come in and just fucking make it incredible, and you say, oh, okay. Well, that is depressing. I'll have to try and figure out why I'm taking this off without offending him. <laughs> and that's it. And if people are like, their favourite moment of your album is someone else... <laughs> The other thing, the other way that hip hop artists go sometimes is they just get their flatmates to do guest verses. Do you know what I mean? I, I always remember thinking, and no disrespect to him, but I remember thinking, did you ever, do you remember the Flavor in Your Ear remix with like, yeah. with Biggie, LL Cool J, Busta Rhymes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. bizarrely, Rampage the Last Boy Scout? Like, oh, yeah. such a, <laughs> yeah. such a fucking. <laughs> weird inclusion on that track and obviously yeah. he's Buster Rhymes' cousin I think and so Buster's gone listen I'll give you that fire at the end but you've got to get you've got to let Rampage come on and I was like oh, don't get me wrong Rampage's verse is fine but I remember thinking who the fuck is this guy and like everybody else is a bona fide legend do you know what I mean and then she just got Rampage just come on okay sweet you won a competition to come on the track good for you mate Give it your best shot. Yeah, it's, did you uh, ever listen yeah. to like uh, any of um, the UK like uh, skits, uh, UK hip hop stuff where he released a few years back? And he released, I think it was, uh, I can't remember what skits his first album was called, but it had like a track on it called Fingerprints of the Gods, and it was like yes, Roots I remember Maneuver that. And, I remember Fingerprints yeah, of the Gods. <laughs> yeah, but then it had this guy. It had like Roots Maneuver, Five Life Saver, and then it had this guy called Skeleton who who just rapped a bit like that. I'm Skeleton, but he'd come in after like Roots Maneuver, Five Life Saver, just fucking killed it, and then this guy, yeah. God Almighty, what the devil you start? What the hell? What on earth, child? What the blood clot? I want the rasso, blasso, and all the beasts. I'm the blessing and the diamond and the famine and the feast. Just somebody had wandered into the studio, and they hadn't. <laughs> Being able to kick him out, it's really (laughs) shit. It's so weird. Um, Look, listen, Tiernan, we're almost out of time. You have been um, a brilliant guest, but I do want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about your comedy career because one of the things, obviously, if you haven't checked out Tiernan, he's a great comic. 
uh, a firebrand, I think it's uh, a fair phrase, a fair word to use about you. Um, one of the things that I find particularly interesting about you, apart from the brilliant setup, is your kind of work ethic and the way that you do things, because you have adopted this model of like doing specials or shows or whatever, and then just selling them direct to to the public um sort of how did that kind of come about and what's your sort of ethos with uh well i mean it's partly because no one else would sell them to the public but <laughs> <laughs> i mean if anyone's listening and would like to do it for me feel feel free man i'm um, <laughs> um <laughs> no but it's it's um it's partly because i just i'm really impatient i'm really i do i do like right. you know i write me to so I, I, I do a weekly podcast um Called, oh, I'm going to shamelessly plug it if that's all right, but it's called um, Partly Political. Go for it, of course. Yeah, so it's called um, Partly Political Broadcast, and it's uh, I do gags about the previous week's politics and I interview actual clever people about politics who know stuff. But the reason I do that is because I write those jokes every week, and often I'd get to a gig and they'd be out of date. <laughs> and I'm right. like, I just, I've, I've, I've got, I'm impatient. I want people to hear it as it's there. So I think similarly with shows and stuff, I just thought I want to have control over what I'm doing. Um, and I've always kind of respect to the comedians that just go out and go right fuck it I'm doing this this is uh, I do this job so that people can hear the things that I'm pissed off about so yeah. how yeah, do yeah. I get this to people as quickly as possible so I've got a new I just recorded um, a few weeks ago my last solo show um, which got one brilliant review and one terrible one so nice. I think that makes it fine and yeah. um yeah, so that'll be that'll be coming out in a in a few weeks, hopefully. And how do people um, get that? Is that just straight off your website? It's gonna hopefully well, should be straight off my website. Um they've changed how I set that up and I don't understand the computers, so it should be very soon. Um and also on Next Up Comedy, which is um really good. It's like a Netflix for stand up. Um and you can subscribe to it. I think it's three pounds fifty a month. They've got loads of good comedians, solo hours and stuff on there. So um it's well worth a go. Yeah, that is a great I, I it's it's a good one for like if you just want to watch um, loads and loads of great stand-up and also the other thing that's great about it is um, because like a lot of these comics they've got on Next Up won't be doing like extensive tours or whatever it's a great and you might not have got a chance to see them there are brilliant comics that you just won't have seen so it's um, it's a wicked website to go and check out yeah well worth it and the first month is free I believe if I'm going to do a cheesy right? ad for it I mean, I mean it was it might not be anymore I've probably really really damaged their <laughs> damaged their <laughs> reputation those people be looking on going I heard on a podcast it was free nah sorry guys uh, <laughs> uh, so when is that coming out that'll be out next um, week uh, it's good. It's just being finished, edited now. So hopefully in a, in a couple of weeks. Do yeah. you sit? Do you sit in on the edits of these? Like, are you are you oh, uh, a, a control freak when it comes to that sort of thing? Do you know? I don't want to be. I had to. I had to watch it all from start to finish the day for um, a sort of final cut thing, and it oh, it hurts. It hurts so much because I just sit the whole way through going, well, I said that like a dickhead. And yeah. um, that, <laughs> why did I ruin that joke? That's a joke that really works if I didn't say it like that. And I just, I spend the whole time, hey, I kind of want to tell them at the end, just fucking scrap it, it's shit. But, you know, it's just, are, are you are you like that, overcritical Mate, I, of your I, own? I, yeah, I mean, I, I first yeah. of all, I find it very difficult to watch full stop. And the only reason I ever watch anything I've done is because I have to for the edit. But I remember, like, my last show... Um, we did the the recording of it like midway through the t- like maybe two thirds of the way through the tour, and like as you know, st- you change stuff all the time. Do you know what I mean? Or you you get bored of a bit, or you change the wording of it, or you add stuff to stuff. So then by the time I was watching the edit, it was near the end of the tour, and I just thought, oh, I've done that so much. I do that better now, and this bit is 
crap like like compared to how I'm doing it now. You just have to accept it that when you're recording something, that is it, and you do the best you can at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's also that thing of like if it's towards the end of a tour, like I'm bored of that material by the yeah, time yeah, I've yeah. seen I've yeah. said it so many times. I'm like, oh, this fucking joke again, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not like I don't know how this one ends again. Like it's just. <laughs> It gets so tedious. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, basically, it's... we're killing the magic for anyone that now wants to see anything yeah. we do. If you see Ternan and I ever, just remember that we're dead behind the eyes and we don't give a fuck about any of the stuff that we saying. <laughs> we're, we're far into Dogfather stage. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, <laughs> listen, man, you've been an amazing guest. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks tons for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Make sure you check out Tierna's comedy and his podcast, uh, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Tien. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.